Well, at least Porsche can say they're having a better week than Jordan Henderson is. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. That's one for you football fans out there. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 494 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. And look, <laughs> we're going to be honest with you here, listeners. Um, Formula E did have their season opener in Mexico City this past weekend. We are reviewing this episode. We're not going to lie, folks. This is going to be a difficult one. Um, not for the reasons you'd, you'd expect. Um, this was not a classic. Um, and I, I remember our guest literally liked a tweet of mine on Saturday night when this race went down. That I said, and I quote, good luck to the video editors created a five-minute highlight reel out of this one. Um, <laughs> Got just about, what, 509 out of it and no more. And that was stretching it. <laughs> They had to squeeze every drop out of that to get to. I think they're mandated to have a five-minute highlight reel. So we, we we gave you five minutes and the change, the, the tip, the the nine-second tip at the end, just to just to make sure. In case you didn't hear that already, that was the voice of Mr. Cam Buckley. How's it going, Cam? We qualified the car. Let's <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah, at least one Porsche can entirely didn't shit the bed out, out of the four that was on the track this weekend because uh, Pascal Verline would dominate the proceedings to take a pretty comfortable win. Like, Pascal Verline seemingly turns into Ayrton Senna, but only in the country of Mexico. It's a strange vibe, but it seems to work for him. Yeah, it's it's like the sped up uh, base boosted Senna meme you see on Twitter sometimes. Like every time yes. Charles Leclerc loses a front wing end plate. <laughs> just, just becomes god mode all of a sudden it's a weird vibe but here we are also joining us we got him back uh, because it's a four minute episode and i felt like why not at this point because rj is currently flying to daytona as we speak we're not jealous of him in any way shape or form no no not entirely but the good news is we do have sasha garlic coming back on the show for two weeks in a row sash good to have you back man Hey there, Dre. It's it's great to be back here again. And I, I tell you what, um, you you said something uh, there, Cam, about you know um, Porsche qualified the car, and so, somehow it just made me think of the of the of the meme Shinji get back in the robots, and a bit like an episode, a bit like an episode of Neon Genesis Evangelion. You know, <laughs> this this Formula E race gave me um, lots of impress lots of impressive tableaus, and it gave me the chance to ponder my own existence a lot. And the most the most exciting thing I did I did this past weekend was I bought um, this classic majorette um, Toyota 2000 GT for my local mm. supermarket. Nice, yeah, <laughs> a certified hood classic to 2000 GT. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm glad that at least you were able to atone for the sins of watching that race with us, that you were able to at least make up for it by buying a classic Hot Wheels car. That's always a nice way of turning things around. Well, the, yeah, the, the, the good thing about Formula E races being on a Saturday is if they suck, then you can go and do something else to get over it on a Sunday. <laughs> that is definitely true. I think you might get more racing action actually running that 2000 GT across your floor. <laughs> I think you might be right, actually. Maybe I'll build a Hot Wheels track or something. I don't think we got the official... I don't think this came from Formula E's official account when it came out, but I believe the official on-track overtake count for the race was three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three? Uh, 
it, it was it was three, and um, still all anyone was talking about was well, apart from traction control, which I'm sure we'll get to later. It mm. was um, it was Dan Tictum for once being completely accurate with his words and 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 say and saying um, I I I think I'm correct here. Um, um, there's there's a fucking barrier on the track because Degrassi crashed. Ah, I can't be asked with this sport. Something which I, I'm going to cut and use at some point. I, I feel like we can all appreciate that quote. Yeah. In the yeah. uh in the aftermath of this event. Um yeah. in case you haven't noticed noticed from all three of our reactions. It is going to be an effort to get a full length <laughs> podcast out of this race. <laughs> I literally said to the boys here, I'm very candid about the behind the scenes t- process of this show. I often let let in little secrets here and there. I said to the I said to the guys in here earlier, thirty minutes will do well to get past thirty. If we go past forty, I think I think we will be drunk. At oh, that look, point. I, I mean, in 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 my in my day job, I'm a teacher and I'm a lecturer, so I I can quite happily fill for twenty minutes talking about Sasha Fenestraz's Argentinian passport problem if you want me to. Well, we'll break that out in case of emergency. Um, surely Diria can't be as bad as that, given we've got two races to play with that weekend in a week and a half's time. But, uh, oh, I've got a way we can pad a bit of time out. Let's let's uh, talk about where you can find this real quick. We are on our website, motorsport101.com. If, if you want to uh, follow us personally, you can. Um, I'm on, I'm on the Elon Musk's failed investments and on Instagram at DreHarrison101. Cam is at CBuckley917. The show itself is on X at motorsport underscore 101. And Sash, tell the good people where they can find you again. Yeah, so um, I'm I'm on X uh, at uh, Motion Racing Me. Uh, sorry, not Motion Racing. Motion Racing Pod. I beg your pardon. Uh, but uh, you can find you can find the website uh, motionracing.media, all one word. Yes. Yep. Give Give Sash a little bit of help from us. Um, does Does a fine job. He's expanding beyond. No, they're expanding beyond Formula E this year, um, and just having general stories about motorsport in general across the year. He's taking a page out of our book. How, how terrible! Um, it's a terrible thing to do. Oh, Look, looking for Looking forward to Daytona as well. It, it, it's It's going to yes. have storylines, and you, you know, I, I know when I know I'm not here to talk about Daytona, but I, I've got to say. D- Daytona is the sort of uh, line in the sand that says motorsport starts here for most people, and uh, you, you know, with, with or without Formula E, it's it's always been a favourite of mine, and I think it's going to start a new golden age of sports car racing. But we'll, we'll see, we'll see. You know, I feel like that is a very used line that I keep saying every year, and then every year it just ends up being the same BS. So I'm going to hold yeah. off on that. But we'll hear more on Daytona and the sports car world at large in the near future from us. Yes, most likely next week um, in the preview, in the run-up to the 24 hours of Daytona, we're going to try and see if we can poach RJ and stick him in a recording studio somewhere in Florida for that, because he's flying down today as we speak um, to, to cover that. Um, best of luck to him out there. It's a week and a half. It's a fun vacation, uh, if, if we do say so ourselves. But uh, keep tabs on that in future and hey if you want to listen to that episode a little bit earlier you can back us financially on patreon if you like patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 five bucks at you early access to 
all of our episodes before they hit the public mainstream. And if you want to back us at the tender level, you also get supporters club access to our Discord server. We can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. And you can see our faces, which I don't know if that's, if that's actually a benefit or a perk of the, of the gig, but we, we try. Um, we're, we're a visual medium partly um so you can check that out if you haven't already right i've padded for time long enough during this episode already let's get into the mexico city epre right after this had a fucking barrier in the middle of the track as degrassi crashed yeah. can't be arsed with this sport cam good news pascal qualified the damn car no <laughs> <laughs> It um, was a dominant display from the leading Porsche driver as Pascal Verlein led an almost lights to flag win from pole position to kick off the 2024 Formula E season. He did face some light battling during the attack modes with Envision Sebastian Buemi for second, with Nick Cassidy third on his Jaguar debut. But the race was largely criticized by fans for lack of action. Were they right? Yes. And how impressive was Verlein's win? Take your time, fellas. Ah, <laughs> uh, so it it was it was uh, it was an incredibly impressive win. Um, so something about Verline always seems to light up in Mexico City. Maybe it's the fact that uh, you know, you know it's it's actually quite a nice circuit. I, I believe to to drive normally. Um, it, that's debatable in the current Formula E car, but. You know, I, from the looks of things, the tyres were actually talking to the surface this time, so maybe that's still true. But the thing with thing with Verline is he always lights up in Mexico City, a little bit like how when Crystal Palace go to Old Trafford, they turn into Barcelona. You know, it, it's that kind of thing. <laughs> um, the, the the question is consistency over the season, as it always is, and. I don't think we can always blame Verline for that because he's got caught up in some things, um, particularly last season, which really you'd have to say, you'd have to put down to bad luck or poor qualifying or whatever. But um, I I think, um, as usual, Porsche start off dominating, you know? Yeah, I mean, this is what, the third or fourth year in a row where we've seen Porsche come out of the gates just on fire in the opening Mm. round of the season. Um, and last year they were able to at least sustain it for a fair portion of the season. But yeah. we've been here before. Yeah. And and um, it seems like Porsche have got their powertrain advantage back from, not quite from the start of last season, because obviously the other teams have moved on, but they, they seem to have found something over the winter, even with the homologation limits being what they are. Well, I mean, for most of last year, they had an excellent car and race trim. What was more often the problem for the really the second half of the season is that, and especially the case of the works cars, they were giving themselves so much to do in qualifying that they would burn up that energy usage advantage, trying to cut back through the field Uh, when they can be out front and they can basically dictate the race. They're practically unstoppable. And that we we saw that with De Costa, he had a terrible race, and it's not the first time for him um, at Porsche. Um, and it, it just goes to show the advantage in Formula E, particularly in the current procession, processional Gen Three era, the advantage of actually being out front. And he, you, you know, uh, Dre, obviously, I've known that you're the uh, curator of the Church of Seb for a long time. Well, <laughs> Sebast- Sebastian Vettel 
got where he did at Red Bull because they were able to give him an amazing qualifying and then he was able to execute. I'm, I'm not throwing any shade whatsoever on the guy, but like, no. had, he, had he had to start where Max Verstappen is, 15th or whatever, then maybe he wouldn't have got there. No, that's a very valid point. Like Seb, what made part of what made him so great was that he was such a brilliant front runner. He was an excellent qualifier. I remember 2011, for example, he had 15 poles that season, and he'd often break out a two-second lead on the opening lap, and then he was never seen again. That's what made him so good. He was just an exceptional front runner, um, and that's where Porsche is by a. It's weird. Formula E has this knack of. No one wants to lead in this Gen 3 era because of conditions, you know, the lack of being able to follow. And yet Porsche are at its best when it's able to dictate the terms of engagement. That's what makes mm. them so strong. And that but, natural energy usage that this powertrain can leverage. Yeah. Um, and I, I think maybe part of the reason why they were being probed so um i was about to say probed so hard my god edit that one out um (laughs) (laughs) we're keeping that um part of of the reason why they they were being probed so hard and uh, the fia the fia were being quite so anal about the possibility of traction control was was because um they 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 just appeared to have um you know by far the best package um but Jesus Christ! How many? How many of these am I going to do? Sorry, that was unintentional. But um, so uh, make it a theme. Make it a theme. This is this oh, yeah. tra- catering yeah, Freud, directly to our audience. Yeah, Freudian yeah, slip. Yeah. It happens. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, no one listening to this remembers Frankie Howard, but it, it's right. It's right there. But uh, no. So um, I, I just. Um, I, I, I think the traction control probe, frankly, wouldn't have happened if they weren't so superior. Um, but you know, obviously, there was there was a there there because the evidence appears to be that there there wasn't enough evidence that it was traction control. It it might have been oscillation on um, on the start. It it might it might have been, you know, some something something in the software that wasn't intended to be traction control. That doesn't necessarily mean that there wasn't if you know what i mean it just means that they weren't able to you know get enough evidence to apply a penalty yeah it I, was, mean, um... I mean it's equivalent you remember back to the the power unit row back with ferrari in 2019 where we forget but the power unit for ferrari in 2019 was never actually declared illegal it because the fia couldn't prove it in a court of law Um, and eventually they just started throwing regulation changes at the wall to see what stuck. And eventually they did find something, which actually Ferrari and Honda and to a small extent, Renault were all caught in the crossfire of. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't quite know all the Porsches, except for the Costa was investigated after the race for a potential, um, traction control probe in, in, in the throttle output of their cars. Um, we actually didn't get an official result until about one in the morning uk time on sunday morning um to say no further action there was nothing there was no evidence um to suggest that um the the porsche had run foul of the rules um because i did think it was it was quite funny that uh verline and dennis the two porsche big hitters were the ones that were being investigated after the race apparently nato's was settled 
in race, um, and yet the uh, the one with Vernon and Dennis was was had to be had to have several hours of extensive checks taken over. Something something FIA scrutineering, etc. I'm sure I'm sure there's a joke in there somewhere about that, but uh, yeah, no 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 foul play. Verline got to keep his win in a race that, as mentioned, had three on track overtakes across its 45 minute runtime, and this was an extended race because there was two big flashpoints in it. We talked about Antonio Felix da Costa taking out um, Nico Muller for a clumsy dive bomb at turn two. Um, da Costa, by the way, is getting a free place grid penalty um, for race one in Deria. Well earned. Of that. And yeah, well earned. I think is the phrase we're looking at there. And the other incident was Robin Frines, who was clipped and put in the wall on the concrete. I want to say it was Sasha Fenestras who we hit when Fenestras came out of the attack mode zone. Um, just, I was just like, what is this clumsy racecraft? <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's one of those, oh, this is why people don't take Formula E seriously sort of clips, or it's just like, come on, guys, what are we doing here? Um, yeah, Fryan's put out of the race. Safety car came out. That's what led to us getting two added laps in overtime, which didn't really lead, lead to much because, like I said, these... When you've put a giant front straight in Mexico City and then a not massively heavy braking zone afterwards, you're not going to have a lot of overtakes when the technical part of the stadium is is so busy and you can't send it on anybody. It's it's and the last corners are no go either because it's it's a low traction zone. So where do you pass? I think it. I think it is worth worth saying that this track has has given us a few, if not classic, at least reasonable races. I'm, I'm thinking Absolutely. about. Uh, I'm thinking about uh, Pascal Verlein's debut season or de- debut full season, where he uh, uh, ran out of uh, usable energy uh, on the line, and Degrassi took the win. I, mm. that, that was a that was a classic that there was also the first uh, race in the gen two era uh, in Mexico, which um, I, I mean was, was probably most famous for Nelson PK jr's massive crash. Uh, but um, it, it, it did actually produce a, a bit of a classic after that. And after everything was cleared up. So, um, Formula E is always one race away from a crisis, uh, whether that crisis is due to boredom or due to too much happening. And um, I, it's it's arguable that maybe what the category needs now is to be taken seriously as a serious world championship. And you've, you've got to say processional racing happens in every other formula. And this isn't to gaslight people out of thinking that there's a problem because there clearly is but i'm i'm not sure this is the crisis that some organs might be making it out to be yeah i mean look i I talked about it with with guys on on the server before we started recording i enjoy formula e's product overall for the most part i think last season's races the majority of them were good to great, I I would I would I didn't think the on track action was the product a problem. It, well, I think a lot of it was some of the silly off track politics and um, some of the driving standards at times that were truly messy about it. Um, but this is too far the other way. You're like mm. you you're not going to be able to take sixteen races like this over a season if no one can overtake each other. I know. I think the problems of the car was exasperated by the layout and the dirty air effect of Mexico. I think it will be better in Diria in a couple of weeks' time. Um, that track, again, generally produces good races for Formula E. Um, mm. But 
if you, I do hear what you're saying, Sash, about the whole is this a crisis? Well, I don't think so. But uh, I, 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 I try to be a bit more careful now rather than just condemning everything. Because we did, we did that for MotoGP last year, Cam, and that was fun. <laughs> well, well, when MotoGP continues to be, uh, well, a train wreck in slow motion. Mm. Um, so I deserve it. Yeah, I mean, FE tends to... It, it's not like there's a set product right now with this car where some races are quite processional, and some races are so insane that you can almost barely pay attention to everything going on because of the nature of the energy management. And I feel like at this point, the teams have kind of figured out Mexico City well enough. They know the best way to get around this is th this track is to do what we saw this post recent weekend, which is basically just run a processional event. Um, and that coupled with the fact that there's no air to make downforce in Mexico because you're so high up. Uh, we see it in practically every other category where cars just cannot pass here, whether they mm. run uh, short tracks or full tracks. Um, and then this short track kind of eliminates two of your major passing spots from the full layout. It's kind of a perfect storm. Yeah. Yeah, and um, come come Diria, we'll, I, I think we'll see, we'll see much more the um, the shape of this season and and what what we can expect. But um, the the lack of overtaking probably, as you say, Dre and Cam won't won't persist. Um, but I I think what will is this sense of unease, which comes from other other sources. I mean, um, if if you if you're Porsche. Then it's it's quite clear to everyone, I think, that they're taking a moonshot on winning it with the works team this season. They, um, they they, they will never admit this because they, um, as I said before, they 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 pride themselves on customer sh customer machinery doing well. That's something they've always done as an organisation. Mm. But um, I think they will have been slightly embarrassed by Jake Dennis and Andretti Global winning their title last season, um, and particularly yeah, given the on a corporate level, you know a company like that is not going to care on a team level, that's got to sting. Hmm. And uh, I th I think that, you know, they're clearly taking a moonshot because uh, if, no, no matter how long they're in the building for, uh, they they will want that title under their belts because, um, well, for, for, for an organization as big as Porsche, it will feel like a waste, like, like a waste of their time if, if they don't have it. And th the concern is that with Formula E not, not not getting people not getting eyeballs in front of the screen in terms of the marketing um maybe maybe this is just going to be a trophy for Porsche's mantelpiece if they win it to to, to say hey we got formula e and um, something they can use in their marketing i I, I hope it's more than that, and I hope there are more manufacturers on the way. But, uh, but the, the organization behind Formula E has to do something because it's not just the racing that's at fault there. Can we can we cut in something about Jaguar as well? Because I, I did think that they had a quietly impressive race. Um, I, I mean, uh, um, obviously, obviously Cassidy was was third, Wemi was second in in the Jaguar powered Envision, um, Evans fifth, and. Um, I I think that that's that's them building a good basis for the season. I I, I don't think think it is just going to be the Porsche show from now on. And you know, when we actually led some of the race, so uh, I think all of us who predicted Jaguar to win something this season might not be completely wrong. 
No, no I think entirely fair. I, I think what we saw, and obviously again, one race, Mexico's kind of an outlier uh track, but on current form with the powertrains, it looks like you've got the Porsche and the Jaguar looking pretty evenly matched at the very front, and then probably a step back to DS, and then another step to Nissan and everybody else. Yeah. It looks like Nissan, uh, again, just don't really have a raceable uh, car. It's not too bad in qualifying, but they're just... They just don't have a lot to play with in terms of energy management in race trim. Uh, that goes for Nissan. That goes for the customers, McLaren, as well. And it, it's, a, it's a little bit sad to see uh, ERT drop back behind Mahindra again. They, they look like genuine challengers from time to time last mm. season. You know, uh, particularly Tictum, not so much Sete Camara, who didn't start the race this time, but Tictum was, was dipping in and out of the top six, top ten from time, from time to time last season. Um, never had Nothing a... Nothing like that uh, this, this weekend. Yeah, never had a raceable powertrain that would actually finish the race in those positions, but he was showing promise. I, I think this weekend will obviously be a write-off for reasons that we've explored, but um, it's difficult to see where they will go from here, given the limited scope for development through the season. It looks like, uh, you know, and they talked about it a little bit, right, last year about making hay when they could, you know, benefiting yeah. from the chaos of a new car, because that's that's just the nature of new regulations. The second year of a given regulation set is usually when you see who's got it right and who's got it wrong and how how you develop your shortcomings from the first year. ERT looked nowhere. Cheeks. And I, I, I can't be the only one, just uh, I mentioned Mahindra a minute ago, I can't be the only one to... And it feels like a difficult position to be in to feel sorry for Nick DeVries, but I do. Um, the, 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 the guy went to Formula One to further his career. I, I don't think anyone can seriously blame someone for taking a chance based on one decent race and, you know, signing the contract. But uh, he he left, you know, um, um, by... He left by a long way the best team at that time. Admittedly, they were going to be defunct at the end of that season. To no, sorry, he left. Sorry, I'll start again. He left by a long way the best team at that time um, for um, the uh, team that um, you know um, um, binned him, and now, now now he's back with Mahindra and started at the back, finished fifteenth. I'm I'm glad he's got that Toyota gig in WEC because uh, I would feel very sorry if this was a slow petering out of what has been a very promising career. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, coming back, brand new car, unfamiliar with lack of testing time due to the pit lane fire that, that happened in Valencia's testing. And now he's with a team that had arguably the worst powertrain, or arguably it was the worst powertrain of 2022, the free season. And uh, it's... Uh, Looking like that's continued here, which is just unfortunate across the board. Really, um, that that is if a team. anything. If we hmm. if, if we go by this initial race, it almost looks like the gaps between the groups of powertrains have almost expanded a little bit. Where the Porsche and Jag look like they're further out ahead of everyone. DS are kind of in no man's land, and then the gap behind them is quite large. Yeah. Um, and that really now. So. Mahindra and the ERT uh, team have kind of just been reduced to back markers fighting over scraps. 
And I think we mentioned Porsche taking a moonshot earlier. I, I think it's a reflection of just just how hard the uh, big box manufacturers are trying to make this season count. The fact that Mahindra and ERT, who you know both teams who were challenging at the front in the early eras of Formula E, are not able to land a glove on them. I, I think it's a reflection of just how professionalized Formula E has become. But it's, it, you know, given that this was always meant to be the formula where things were equalized to help the racing, I, I feel like we've moved away from that with the, with, with the, with the new management team. And uh, we maybe need to look at that. Um, this is this is this is more from a UK standpoint because uh, I'm the only Brit here uh, on this occasion. The amount of fans that I saw lamenting the fact they couldn't watch this race because of the changes to the to the broadcasting, which we'll talk a little bit more about in, in a moment. <clears throat> the fact that this was the first race on TNT Sports uh, in collaboration with Discovery Plus. The amount of people I saw on Twitter say they they frustrated they couldn't watch this live. Which don't get me wrong, you didn't miss much, but it's, it's the principle that matters. Um, it sucks. It really, really sucks. It, 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 it feels like Formula E is going to lose a chunk of its English audience this year, no matter what happens, and that is really unfortunate um, because this the series has got arguably its best following in the UK, and you've basically given your your UK audience the finger. There is like there is no justification. To make you like, uh, let's put it to you this way: for what you were offering for free, and had the accessibility that came with your series, because as, as I mentioned when I wrote about it on our website earlier this week, which you can check out on motorsport101.com, when it was free and, and accessible, you can be a lot more forgiving towards things like the broadcast and some of the elements of it, because at least you always had accessibility. You could watch it on because like, every major UK domestic free-to-air channel has a streaming platform now of some kind channel 5 channel 4 itv and the bbc they all do in some capacity so there was always a home there was always a place you could watch the race for free in the uk can't do that anymore you're either paying 30 pounds a month to watch it live or you're paying eight pounds for discovery plus and you get the race a day later which well what's the point of a live sports broadcast when going out of the way and watch it a day later that's that sucks there's no getting around it. That's not that's not going to fly in 2024. So, good luck. To nothing's them on that. gonna nothing's gonna kill your series like taking away uh, ways to watch it to the point where nobody can watch it unless they want to pay for it. Yeah, and um, I, I I wonder I wonder if maybe um, we're I I remember talking to um, uh, formerly of your parish Ryan Eric King about this um, <laughs> a couple of couple of years ago how um, it would make all the sense in the world in my opinion to you, you know for, for the for the FIA to have an FIA player where you can charge one subscription fee and get the same quality of streaming for all of their world championships uh, r- rather than having F1 TV and WRC player and WEC player and his quite sensible response was well yes but the European Commission stopped them from being a promoter many years ago so they can't do that anymore 
I've said I've said that Test cricket would have really done with something like that years ago as well. Like, a, mm. like instead of all these stupid bilateral handshake agreements, you have Test cricket in a league form. You put everybody in one or two divisions that you can play Test cricket, and you sell the whole package off as a TV rights TV rights deal to the right broadcaster, and you can have all these Test matches you can watch online under one roof. And it's not, and then cricket's the same way. So I know exactly how frustrating that must feel because. There is the WEC, there is Formula E, there's karting that I'm sure people would want to watch in certain degrees. There's junior series that people can watch under that wing because the FIA run Formula 2, 3, the Academy. There's 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 value in that. But again, like I said, one, the European Commission won't let them do that. And two, private TV deals are still too lucrative, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, it's... It, it, it actually kind of transitions us nicely into the last point I wanted to put pull out here on our, on our set list regarding the broadcast itself. Now, Cam, I don't know how much of this you actually watched in the end because... I didn't know. see the race live. I so, saw the highlights and I was told that that was enough. Yeah, you, you'd be probably fair on that one. I think me and Sasha did watch more of the overall broadcast. I know I did. Um, because, well, mm-hmm. I, I am a discover for my sins, I am a TNT sports customer because of my EE affiliation and being able to just import the account over. Um, I had it for MotoGP reasons, but having two under the same roof doesn't hurt in my case, I suppose. But. Sasha, what did you make of that whole broadcast then? Because much was going to be made about Jermaine Genus debuting as lead anchor and Whisper Films taking over production. Hmm. How do you think it played out in real time? So it it felt like a step back to me. It it reminded me a lot of watching um so uh, watch, watching the online DTM coverage a few years ago because uh, it it was very disjointed. They they were clearly trying but they were clearly also running a com- running a conventional motorsport broadcast. So um they 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 would have um a very intelligent person on the grid who would uh speak to a driver and ask them how they felt about the race and then um, she she would say, and now back to the commentator, and it, it just it just made it feel like um, jarring. So it, it it made it feel jarring. It made it it made it feel like um, they were uh, disembodied brains, if you like, who who just happened to be working together, or like it was being done by AI. And this this felt kind of similar in terms of you know you you had uh, some of the hallmarks of the excellent broadcast team from the past, like Nikki Shields, for example, but. Yeah. But but you but you also had people who were finding their feet. Um, you know we, we've talked about Jermaine Genus before. I've got absolutely no problem with ex Nottingham Forest players wanting to do something in their second career. Um, <laughs> but the, the the question is whether they needed someone who was a Formula E nerd on the staff um, uh, hosting it. Um, I. Th- I mean, I thought I thought the UK I thought UK wrestling's Radzi did did a good job last year, but. Uh, um, uh, I mean, what's what's the point in having a talent search competition if you've been somebody off after two years? But you know, um, that that is the way things go. 100%. I guess. Hundred percent. I'm like, Darren was perfectly fine as a presenter and could have easily grown into that role. And the talent search cut her. Um, mm. and look, she got to host the FI prize giving ceremony at the end of the winter, so I'm sure she'll land on her feet. She's in, she's in the circle, but I do find it frustrating that you made a big deal about specifically hiring a young, diverse presenter to add to your broadcasting team, only to let her go after two seasons to bring in a footballer. 
it's not a good look. There's there's yeah. there's no there's no getting around that. And like clearly, clearly, Whisper was the only show in town, as as we said last time, and uh, um, clearly TNT Sports was as well, because um, they they don't seem to have put the race on Discovery Plus yet, even for UK subscribers there. So it it, oh, it, it, fe- it feels like it feels like they are doing the doing the bare minimum, and it feels like uh, you know they've kind of said to Formula E, well, you can like it or you can find another deal, um, and th- those deals don't seem to be out there, uh, un- unfortunately. Um, I, I guess some, something something else to something else to say for it is um, I I think new broadcast teams tend to sound a bit rubbish on their first time out, and they'll probably iron out some of the some of the uh, some of the faults there. The the unfortunate thing being one of the faults was actually David Coulthard who didn't know anything about Formula E, and I I don't know who I don't know who's the, I I don't know who I don't know who there is being employed to say no and to bust egos a bit uh, because clearly someone's going to have to go to DC and say you know you weren't as good as you thought you were aren't you? I'm I'm glad you said it and not me because I I cause, um I was going to make the exact same point like overall. There are very good people on Formula E's broadcasting. Nikki Shields, I think, is a fantastic overall broadcaster. I think she should have been the one to be lead anchor of this at this point. She's a recognizable face. She's been there from day one. She's incredibly knowledgeable about the series. Why not just to make her lead anchor? And uh, rather than keeping her in this either practice qualifying role or being a pit lane roaming reporter, it, it undersells how good she is. And mm. like, I, I, it feels to me like they, like they wanted a recognizable face from another sport to be their anchor and try the Jake Humphrey trick. Like Jake Humphrey had bucket loads of TV experience hosting virtual bugs in Bamzuki before he got the F1 role in the BBC in 09, right? Like, Genus hasn't really got that. Yes, he's been a TV pundit, but it's it's a lot more difficult when you transition from being a pundit to being in charge of a live broadcast. And he had to lean quite heavily on Karun Chanhok, who obviously knows his stuff from a technical standpoint, and that's understandable. But, like, you, you, it was obvious he had to lean on Karun pretty hard and that's harsh and and look I don't want to be too harsh in general because Genus will only get better I have no Mm. like I have no qualms saying that and look live TV is fucking difficult I know from many friends in this industry in this game and from many people that have taught me about it live TV is as difficult as it gets you've got somebody screaming in your ear every two seconds you've got 15 different things to concentrate on and you've got to try and piece together a broadcast that shit is hard I, I, and I don't envy him in that in that case because I, I think it's the first time he's ever had to do that but you've got people who've got experience doing that already on your team who could have made that role a lot easier. Nikki Shields could have done it. Radzi could have done it just fine. And like you said as well, David Coulthard just talked in cliches the whole weekend. Just, you know, ah, oh, qualifying. It's, it's, it's you and the machine. And, and then I'm just like, dude, well, 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 thank you, Captain Obvious. Like, like, <laughs> like it's, it's like thanks, David. You know, like, that's you're really adding to the to the insight of the, of the broadcast here. And I, I like, like again, they, I think they've done well in bringing in keeping Tom Brooks. I think he's a fantastic lead commentator mm. as well. I think he he will do an absolutely fine job. Um, carrying on because he had to fill in when Jack Nichols couldn't keep his hands to himself. Um, and yeah, like he's done a very good job since then um and more power to him but 
you don't need to have David Coulthard in the commentary box alongside did, him. Did it, did it feel a bit to you like uh, the old editions of Pro Evo Soccer before they got the commentary sourced out, where you get like <laughs> where, where, where you get like Alan Smith or Jim Beglin coming in with looks like two great sides we've got coming up against each other today. It, yes. it felt it, it the pieces I saw from the highlight pack. It felt like like pre-recorded bits of commentary smashed together. Yeah, that's exactly what... what, It's like if you play any sports games commentary line, it's like, it's just a little bit too cliched, it's a little bit disjointed, and you could tell. Because the thing is, like I said, live TV is uncompromising. You will get all those warts and blemishes times by 10. You can't clean that up on a pre-record and then clean it up afterwards, like podcasts are, for example. We never have to do that here. As is always in one take. No. Um, But but when when it's live you've got nowhere to hide and but um, I, I, do, I i do want to give props to a couple of things though and um, mm. I, I i i hope that we've got time for any other business about the race as well because no, there was some stuff I, stuff I missed well, out earlier but any any little helps that adds on the time i've got no problem with <laughs> awesome because um like karen chantok um i've got new respect for not just because of this but because um while down a youtube rabbit hole recently well i had covid over christmas what what do you do um i uh I, I, I stumbled upon a re-upload of um, uh, Guy Martin learning to drive a classic Formula One car and then racing Jensen Button. Uh, it, 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 he had to, had to build his own Williams car with Dickie Stanford. It was a great show. Um, mm. And uh, Karun Chantok was it was his driver training instructor. Um, and uh, a, a, along with this um, ex-sports car driver called Rob Wilson, who, who was tremendously funny to listen to. But, but Karun was just calmly sitting in the passenger seat saying, you might want to take a bit, of, take a bit off the accelerator there. And you, you know, ne- never flinching, ne- never, never panicking, and uh, and and like you know, Guy Martin was very clear. You know, Karen doesn't mess about. He he's he's done, he, he's he's done an awful lot in international motorsports, and he named some of the things as well. And like clearly, the guy is a Swiss Army knife when it comes to broadcasting because he can go from Formula One, from you know the touchscreen Gary Neville stuff that they do um, in the Skypad there, yeah, to 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 propping up. Coulthard in Formula E, and he can actually. Uh, it, it, it takes some sophistication to do both of those things equally well because Formula E broadcasting, as we found out, is very different to F1 broadcasting. So, Karun Karun might sound a bit bland at times, but I think actually that shows his skill because he's processing so much information in a way that you know um, is is never inefficient, if you like. Yeah, it, it, that does take some doing. It's a hard thing to be able to do. It's something that I've had to learn how to do as a podcaster where, you know, I've not only have I played the role as being the host, but I've, sometimes, sometimes I've got to learn how to sit back and listen when I've had other guests on the show um, or I've had to be on other people's shows and I've had to try and give insight while not trying to hijack somebody. I mean, shout out, I was on... I was on the engine mode 11. You might know him as Dan, his podcast, the engine break in a couple of days ago, that's now out as well. If you want to listen to that, I'm um, talking about Gunther Steiner and in, in, in the F1 uh, preseason, I guess it's a little bit of a preseason filler up or over Christmas, but it's a hard thing to be able to do both of those roles. I've got a little bit, a little bit of TV experience, not much, but i being as a pundit that it's not an easy gig so i always try to err on the side of caution when criticizing somebody too hard i just felt overall like whisper films did a little bit too much of what north one did when they were producing the show i feel like this was a bit of a missed opportunity 
for me in the sense of season opener and you are a British production company who are producing the world feed and you also know that your biggest audience are going to be on a brand new TV channel for the first time. You like with that in mind, this should be a perfect time to reintroduce people to the series. Talk about the technology. Talk about the differences between that and Formula One. Talk about the teams and the drivers. Like you've got the second most talented single seat and single seat roster in motorsport. Sell that, not just talk about the Jaguar Super Team, which came up mm. about three times. Like they, they, they kept yeah, talking I mean, about. I mean, Dre, we talk about it here. Hmm. We talk about it here sometimes, where we talk about how you know every podcast is someone's first. Well, everyone's racing season is someone's first absolutely um and there is no better time to point that out and to reintroduce people to the sport than a clean slate a new season um especially when uh this season is going to be different to previous ones given that this is now year two on these new cars um the form book is a little bit more set than it has been you know maybe last year and yet and yeah, I don't. I, I, let's speak to this way. I don't get anything extra on a broadcast by watching Karun Chanhok drive Jermaine Genus round the track in a Porsche Taycan and having him shit himself. I don't get anything. It's a nice little entertainment trick to make it relatable, but I can't relate to a, to a 740 brake horsepower Taycan being driven round the track. That's not a Formula E car. It doesn't add anything to my knowledge of the sport. Talk about how good your drivers are. Talk about the moves. Talk about the fact that you've got unique technology, which isn't going to be seen anywhere else. Talk about what makes you different from the other single seat racing series you can watch out there. Yeah. Like, you and didn't I, do I, that. I, I want. I, I, w- I wonder if maybe they're missing the drive to survivization of, of motorsport broadcasting because, you know, while, while, while the F1 world feed has, in my view, quite sensibly uh, not, not lent into any of the Netflix uh, fiction making uh, that happens every year, um, th- th- there are a lot of storylines which, which occasionally get brought up and mentioned, you know, with, with, without sort of any, any heavy, heavy slathering on of it. Um, mm. I, and Formula E has its own drive to survive it's called unplugged and um, yes. i i believe it's on the uh formula e website right now but um like i it, it almost feels like they're they're excuse the word ghettoizing that by by putting it there rather than using it as part of the broadcast i i feel like um what casual viewers if there are any left want is uh to look at the personalities of the drivers and uh what um you know in, in a one day race weekend which is what we normally have with formula e you're, you're not going to get that from interviews uh, at the track so I, I i wonder if maybe some of the vt footage that they're, that they're using for unplugged could instead be used during the broadcast motorsport is a personality driven business more than it ever has been um you know you see the way that box-to-box productions generally has grown from drive to survive to tennis having its own series and breakpoint and um the tour de france got its own series the six nations in rugby is about to have theirs come around very soon there's been an explosion in sports docuseries i mean i mean i remember cam last week on our discord was talking about quarterback um season two coming around pretty soon and the nba is getting its own version pretty soon so with human beings, we will always find human stories the most relatable part of sports. That's what engages people. We've seen the the evidence of this, and in particular in the last few years, when the world stopped turning, um, we got more engrossed by that than ever. 
So maybe you're right, Sash. Maybe they are missing a trick by gatekeeping the series off to YouTube or their website when maybe it should be better woven into the broadcasts themselves to get to know these people because Jake Dennis is the reigning world champion. He's a fantastic character. He's mm. he's engaging, he's open, he's honest, he ticks every British trope you can think of, and he's a likable person, but we would never have known that by watching him this weekend. Um, yeah. He was barely mentioned all, 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 all weekend. It was it was the Jaguar show. Um, but I, th- I think that's I think that's as much a reflection on Jake Dennis just having a really sad weekend. Um, he, uh, qu- he 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 qualified mid to lower grid uh, and, and ended up sort of uh, uh, cr- crawling to ninth. And um, it it's 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 difficult to get anywhere or to to make up any positions even with the Porsche powertrain. Uh, um, in Mexico City, with with the Gen Three cars behaving as they are, um, s- still a still a sad opener to his title defence, and um, uh, we we t- we tend to see drivers struggling in the early races of their title defence. I remember when Jev won season four, uh, came back in season five. I think he barely scored a point for the first five races. Then mm. then got then got five then then got four or five wins in the in, in the next in the next seven or eight races. So um it, it, it is possible to uh, make up ground. And you know Dennis has shown it before. Um but uh it, he he will have been hoping for better. The, the the one reason I'm not feeling too worried about Andretti this season is well two reasons. Number one the Porsche powertrain. Number two they actually have decent backing for Norman Natto now, and um, they um, they badly needed a teammate who could pick up the pieces when Dennis wasn't feeling it or when Dennis needed help. And I, I think Natto will at least give them a second strain of data that they can that that they always know that they can use and that compares to Dennis's data to Dennis's data. Um, and also, you know, this is not a serious point, but I'm kind of glad that the crypto boys have have left the car as well yeah that, that's always a i plus. think we can all agree on that certainly something to keep some tabs on as we get into the meat and potatoes of the season as we mentioned we've got two uh races in diria coming up in a week and a half's time which normally is a bit more reflective of the state of play maybe mexico and the challenges that came with mexico were unique to it we'll have to wait and see how that plays out it normally does give uh, a good impression as to what's happening but with that in mind, I think we'll call this one a wrap on this occasion. We somehow went 50 minutes out of this, which is quite intriguing in its own right. I don't know how we pulled out for alchemists here on this uh, here, here on this podcast network, but we were able to find a way to make it work. Uh, like I said, we've got Diria coming up in a week and a half's time. That'll be one part of a double header of podcasts in a in a in a in a couple of weeks' time because we've also got a preview of the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona coming up likely next week as well. So that should be fun. Um, a lot of action to get us through the first chunk of, uh, I should say the end of January, first chunk of February. So that should be fun to keep some tabs on. But uh, until then, uh, hope you guys enjoyed the show very much. Uh, thanks for very, very much for listening. And uh, we'll catch you guys very, very soon. Until then, I've been Dre Harrison. They've been Sasha Garlic and Cam Buckley. Until next time, sayonara. Sayonara.